Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Discussing topics of personal growth, gathering stories of individuals embarked on the path to success, and most importantly, providing a platform for individuals that want to learn and grow. And now, here are your hosts, Jake Ingledew and John Mitchell. Do you have a property that is in rough condition, has tenant issues, or a project that never got finished? Then you need to contact Homelink Properties. This Springfield, Missouri-based company will give you a fair cash offer on your property, completely as is, the same day you reach out. If you're an investor, Homelink Properties can also put your house in front of hundreds of cash buyers so that you too can quickly sell your property. Give them a call today, 417 417- Two nine five zero seven two three. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Growth Circle Podcast. Super excited to have this guest on today, and we'll intro him in just a second. But what's up, co-host John Mitchell? What's up, Jake Lincoln? What's up? Hey, how you guys doing, dude? Good. You're not supposed to intro him, man. I'm gonna say his bio. Hey, man, this is how it rolls. <laughs> So today we've got Lincoln on the podcast. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. He is 23. You're still 23, right? 23. When you wrote me this? Okay. He's 23 years old. He's a real estate investor in Springfield, Missouri. He's probably one of the top wholesalers, and I'm willing to say that on this podcast, one of the top wholesalers in the Springfield, uh, Missouri area. Uh, he, uh, let's see here. You're very active in flips and long-term rentals. You love adding value to those you do business with and you work to help other investors reach their goals, uh, in real estate and to obtain financial freedom. So without further ado, welcome Lincoln Amstutz. Amstutz. You guys got half of it. Amstutz. Amstutz. Like right in the middle. Dang Combine it. them. You're good. Amstutz. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on. It's a cool setup here. I'm gonna. I, I was thinking I'm gonna have to build something like this in my backyard. Yeah, John says uh, he'll do it for point. free. So hey, yeah, on Jake's dime. Right. <laughs> Either way works for me. So let's let's talk. Let's tell your story, dude. Because yeah. right now I feel like there's um, wholesaling's got this super like it's popular right now, especially on TikTok. For whatever reason, everybody's like, oh man, I can make money even wholesaling virtually and all that stuff. So let's talk about how you got into wholesaling. Jake, you have a TikTok? What is wholesaling? Yeah, dude. I got my first videos got over a hundred thousand views. No way. Dang, dude, a thirty-four year old on TikTok. That is that's something. easy. <laughs> I'm not thirty-four, dude. I'm twenty-four. Oh, there we go. Not really. Yeah. But Link, anyways, so, what's your story, man? Yes, yes. Uh, I So wholesaling is, yeah, what I got started in in real estate. Really, I was kind of looking at real estate as a whole. How do I get into this? And the longer term kind of wealth building, uh, passive income was the way I wanted to, or the, the really the goal of getting into real estate and where I wanted to be. But I've kind of found wholesaling in that process and getting started. And I'm glad I did because I love it. And just I don't know the day to day, the interactions, the deal flow. I've yeah definitely loved doing over the last couple of years. And so, why wholesaling up front was pretty much uh, it's an easier access and easier entry point into real estate. I would say um, I was trying to get in there without having to have a bunch of capital and you know just a ton of connections because I didn't know anybody in real estate. I didn't. My family's not in real estate, so it was like. I got to get in here somehow, and it was a good entry point because you don't have to have necessarily a ton of capital at, at the start. Right. Tell us a little bit about what wholesaling is, um, and then can go ahead and continue getting how you got into it because uh, that's one thing that I like about wholesaling, that if you want to get into the real estate game, like it's a pretty low bar- barrier to entry. In fact, mm-hmm. zero money really except for gas. That's it. 
So that's it. Well, that's a lot of money now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah, I might have to do that virtual wholesaling start. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, uh, wholesaling is basically finding off-market properties and selling them uh, off-market to investors. Uh, so essentially, it's it's not anything on the MLS or or on the market. You're essentially reaching out directly to homeowners, to people with properties, and getting them under contract, and then upselling them for a profit for a commission in between uh, of your choosing, whatever you can manage. Gotcha. So it's like flip. It's flipping contracts, basically. It's, it's, it's just contracts, flipping contracts. I never own these properties, or if I do, it's for a split second at the closing table, uh, and I'm just able to move them um, from one person to the next. So to how? So where are a majority of your leads coming from? How are you getting your leads for this? Yeah, yeah. So leads, they've, they've honestly stayed well, pretty talk, consistent Hey, before there. we go there, though, talk about yeah. the process of wholesaling and mm. then include the leads there. So that way, people that have never heard of wholesaling know exactly how it works. Right. Yes, yes. Uh, essentially, it starts with getting uh, your name out there and getting the fact that you buy houses out to as many people as possible. That's the name of the game. It's all about quantity and just letting people know, hey, I'm here to buy houses. Let me give you an offer. So it's reaching out to these homeowners, uh, however you can do that. And essentially, it's when they contact you or you reach out to them, you talk to them about the property, you hear about its condition, come to some sort of agreement on price right after you've seen it, after you've walked through, checked out the condition, ran your numbers, you'll get it under contract. And then you now have a option or you have a contract to purchase that property, close it in usually 20 to 30 days or so. And during that escrow time of 30 days, you then take that property you have um, with a marketable uh, agreement to purchase and you share it with other you know investors that you have connections with, put it out there at your higher price. And uh, once you get somebody to buy it um, 30 days or so later, you close and sell it immediately from your seller uh, to your buyer. Cool. And I, I think people need to know too, like if there's young guys that are wanting to do this, it takes zero money right. to get a contract locked up and then basically sell it for a higher price. Which is huge. It's huge. It allows you to yeah get into an industry that, you know, historically or maybe you would, you would think you need a lot of capital. It allows you to get into that without having to have all that, um, you know, physically on you, for example. You do want to have backup plans, and that's kind of why wholesaling can get a bad rap is people maybe don't have a backup plan. If, hey, if they don't find an investor in 30 days, what are you going to do? You need to have that exit strategy. So you should be prepared to buy that property if needed. So you're not just backing out on people, backing out on contracts. But, yeah, in theory, in, in, in most of the deals I've ever done is, yeah, you don't have to have any money to do it. That's awesome. So walk us through your process and well, how did you get started? Like fully committed to it and then walk us through your process. Hang on just one second. Yes. Before you started wholesaling, what were you doing before that? Yeah. So before wholesaling, uh, I, I guess starting out, I was doing lawn care landscaping. I did that for like eight years, uh, through middle school, high school, created a, a started a business there actually just, uh, last week fully sold it off to my brother, uh, who's younger, which is pretty exciting. But started with landscaping, lawn care, and then I flipped cars and jet skis and phones and uh, tickets to concerts, like just anything I could. I, w I was flipping flipping things, but did cars for like two years and kind of got in the process of buy low, sell high. You know, I'm not really fixing them up, not really doing anything crazy, just finding good deals mm -hmm. and selling them for more. And as I got more and more comfortable with that process, you know, I'd be listening to podcasts and reading books and real estate kind of kept coming up over and over again. 
a lot of successful people in real estate. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do just one year in college. And at a certain point, I was like, all right, you know, it's the same principle, essentially. There's a few more contracts and a few more legal things involved with real estate. But if I can do this with cars and buying them low and selling them for more, surely I can just uh, do the same with houses and, you know, on a a bigger ticket, on a bigger ticket item and larger margins. That's awesome. So um, now let's go back to John's original question. So like, uh, well, actually, so what is your process? How are you getting these leads? And uh, how have you been able to grow one of the top wholesaling businesses around? Yes. In our local area. In, in our area. Right. Right. For now, we'll see, we'll see what happens <laughs> here soon. But yeah, essentially to start out with, and, and really since we've kind of had the main core of cold calling and talking directly to homeowners as, as kind of the basis um, of, of where we find our leads. So we are getting big lists of, of people that have some sort of motivation to sell. We could call every single person on a street and just ask them if they want to sell their house, but that's not going to be the most effective way to reach uh, you know, these, these homeowners that are actually going to sell right. to us and, and, and through us. So it's essentially finding list of motivated sellers, and that's through a few different um, ways. You can get people that have inherited a property in probate. You can get people that are in financial distress in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we contact a lot of landlords that are older and maybe wanting to get rid of problem properties, even uh, searching vacant properties through the county. You're finding lists of people that would, would have some sort of motivation, and then you're kind of targeting them and calling them in order to see, hey, would you just be interested in hearing a cash offer on your property? Of course, there's no obligation whatsoever. We're just wanting to give people this option of an easier, quick close, no inspections, no appraisals, an easier option that, they were not, that they're just not going to get on the market. And it's finding people in those situations that you know, make it a little bit easier for, for both sides. So, so you're not, you're, you guys aren't the one that's actually doing the cold calling. You have that hired out, don't you? Can you tell us a little bit about that? I do. Yes. So I, I was the cold caller for the first year in, in real estate. And honestly, I wish I would have. How many calls a day were you that. making? Man, I, probably not enough. I, I was calling like 50, 60 people a day. Holy but crap. consistently? But consistently. Yeah. That, that that's, sucks. That's, but that's still good, man. <laughs> consistently right. doing man. that. Yeah. It, it was a lot. It was a lot. So I did that for about a year and got kind of burnt out from all mm-hmm. of the calling. And uh, I do enjoy talking to people, but it, you know, it gets to be a lot and you just got to find a better use for your time at a certain point. And is this a, you know, an hourly task that I could be outsourcing? Yes. You know, let's, let's do that and then move on to spending my time elsewhere. So that's what I did. I hired a virtual assistant, just a guy on uh, Upwork over in the Philippines, really skilled guy who's done real estate calling for you know five ten years i love those filipinos man, man they do good work they do they do he's he's a hard worker and um always you know had great success with him so the same guy that i started with about a year and a half ago is still with us today do you have a backup plan if he falls through yeah honestly i'd probably just find somebody, somebody else, else yeah. on, on upwork um that that site online just to just to see what else is out there i've thought about maybe hiring somebody in the states or locally to call but really for the amount that this guy, the quantity he's able to call through. I mean, he calls 350 people a day. Wow. And you know, that's hard. That's, you know, it's just hard to find somebody How, that has you that know skill. Your, like your conversions out of the 350 calls per day, like on average, how many of those convert to uh, a, a property that you end up wholesaling? Right. Right. So we're calling roughly 1500 to 1700 people a week. And out of those, 
one um, one a week or maybe one every other week will be a deal. Gotcha. So it's a lot of calling to get to that one person. And some of that is follow-up, uh-huh. um, but I would say the majority of even those calls are brand new, fresh leads that we're calling. So it is, yeah, quite it, a few numbers. Is your to dial guy from the Filipinos? First. Did you create a script for him to go through specific questions to kind of get all the details you need before? I'm assuming he creates the appointment for you to show up at the house to negotiate a deal. Right, right. He had some prior experience, even in like real estate wholesaling, which mm-hmm. is why I uh, picked him up. He was a little bit more, you know, expensive hourly, but I I would recommend if you're going to find somebody like that go with somebody that has more experience and pay more uh-huh. versus just the cheapest option you can right. find. So he had some experience, but I definitely had a full script of everything that I say. Cause after doing it a year, I kind of had it locked in pretty good. I felt like, and wanted, you know, that to be reproduced and make sure he's saying those, you know, subtle things that uh-huh. I think can lead to a deal. So I had that written out for him that he was able to go through step by step and questions to ask and he'll set the appointments and pretty much get it ready for me to analyze you know, view the property and, and make an offer. So I'm not going through the information gathering and gotcha. you know, going through those. So leads. I'm, I'm such a systems guy. So I'll probably ask you a lot of questions about systems. Yeah. So these leads that you're getting, are you getting them from like prop stream? Um, obviously probably the local County assessors, um, office or whatever, but, uh, is, are those the platforms you're using? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and you're just kind of niching down to whatever kind of list you want. Um, I just want our listeners to understand that a lot of wholesalers use stuff like PropStream and they're able to pay monthly to have access to a bunch of lists. Um, with, what is your process for, um, does he, so he sets up the appointments, right? How are you monitoring him, whether he's making those phone calls or not? That's what I was going to ask. Yes. Yes. Thankfully. Uh, so what he uses is called Mojo Dialer, Mojo Auto Dialer. Uh-huh. And it's a, what what we have, you can do a single, we have a triple line dialer where he's calling three numbers at once. And once somebody answers, it freezes the auto calling and he's immediately just talking to them. Wow. That's why he can call 350 a day. Otherwise, yeah, that's, you know, Dude, pr- pretty near dope. impossible to hand dial. So Mojo Dialer is what we use for that. Uh-huh. He's able to get through, and that gives me a report every single day of how many people uh, were called, how many um, conversations he had that actually were extended in time. Uh-huh. So I get a full breakdown of his day by day. He sends that to me, so I know exactly kind of the numbers. You know, of hey, is this a good lead list? You know, where where are the numbers? How many people is he talking to? Are there a bunch of bad numbers? You know, we skip trace these, and you know, it wasn't a good source. I'm able to see all that. Do gotcha. you have to do any follow up with that? With uh, seeing what he's no 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 with with the. It sounds like what you're saying is he does he goes from A to Z. All you have to do is show up for the appointment. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, dang. That's and that's essentially how we had it set up. Right. Uh, we just weren't cold calling or sending out mailers instead. Yeah, the mailers though is like you got to follow up on those too, though. You know yeah, what I mean? No, like you got to. That's the problem. So he's basically doing all the work and setting the appointment for you. Yes. And your job is to show up and put in an offer. Exactly. Exactly. So he's yeah he's putting out the lead. We have a you know CRM. Uh, we use Podio that he puts in all the information. So I just click on there. Like I get a notification. Hey, you have a new appointment view it. Here's the info. Here's the date that he said, or, or maybe I need to call and set that date. You know, he's just set everything up for me. So let's, let's break this down pretty simplistic. So if somebody is interested in wholesaling, they kind of know the process. So first you got to find leads, right? And you can, there's different ways to get the list to get leads. Then you need to start contacting these leads, um, which you're using a calling method. How, how can you find, um, it, 
are these lists, do they have the information of the homeowner tied to them automatically? They do. They do. Yes. They'll, we'll have as much information as you can need, you know, the homeowner, um, any other owners, how long they've had it, all the information about the property, the size, the year, uh, just just all the information you could possibly need nowadays is, is out there, and that comes along with these gotcha. lists. And so, I, go ahead, go, John. No, Jake, you got it, man. I was going to say, I, I, I know this stuff. I'm just trying to break it down more for other people that are interested in wholesaling. Yeah, and I know like from somebody that's starting out brand new, like when I first got into real estate, like a lot of my fear was how do you write a contract? How do you know what to make an offer on? How do you come up with those prices? But um, the question I was going to ask you, so it looks like you're doing like 4,800 to 5,000 calls a month. Um, if you don't mind sharing, like how much would it cost to do something like that? Or how much would it cost to make 2,500 calls to get those leads? Right. Right. To do that kind of volume. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So each lead is, is roughly 25 to 30 cents for each lead. And that's why I chose calling because it really is the cheapest way to, uh, to wholesale. I feel like in a lot of ways, because, you know, a mailer you send out one time, it's roughly 50 cents. I've actually not done them, so I don't know exactly. You guys would know. Yeah. fifty for us. Depends. Yeah, it depends on the mailer. Yeah, 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 50 cents a dollar each, and that's one hit versus... And it takes time to get... takes time to get there. And the follow-up. The follow-up. Yeah, you're going to call them anyways. Whereas this, you're getting a lead for 30 cents, and you can call them as many times as you want. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try and put them on... We'll put them on a follow-up campaign. And so that's 30 cents a lead. You know, you can multiply that out by however many leads you're doing, but that's, that's our cost. And, you know, you can then break that down. How many leads are we getting off of calling or how many deals are we getting? That's our cost gotcha. per lead. So, so you, you got to get leads. you got to follow up with lead or you got to call contact the leads. Then your guy that from the Philippines, is he inputting those leads into the CRM, which basically uh, is your, platform to track all these leads and so you can follow up right 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 okay. yep it's the hub of everything we do all of the deals all the hot so does leads he have his own set passcode to be able to get into that he uh, does because i know like these are the, some of the questions that people ask like well if i give him access to my platform and he starts charging extra or whatever like how do you give him access to the platform without jacking up your password or knowing your password or whatever right yeah everything's separate so i've got a a kind of admin login and you know that's my portal to get into the the crm and then he's got a separate entrance that you know it's an add-on you know an extra however much a month to where he can get access and add things in but he's not changing your account info and, and getting your passwords right. cool. how much are you paying him per hour he's getting paid 850 an hour right now okay is that 40 hours a week um he's going 30 hours a week Dang, dude. So you're all that's in. That's good money for the Philippines. Yeah. Because but, I paid a guy right. four bucks an hour. Right. It you're, is all. You're all in in a month for like twenty two, twenty three hundred bucks in, and that's for the lead and his hourly rate. Right. It's it's really not bad. It's not bad. And and like I said, some of those are follow ups, numbers we already have that we're not having to buy. It's it's actually slowing down now the amount that we're buying because there's only so many houses in the Springfield metro area. We're at some point going to reach most of or all of the numbers. Of course, things change, but um, and we have to get fresh leads. But a lot of that is just now follow up. We have it in our system. Repeat, repeat. So he he'll go in. He'll put it in in the CRM, and then he'll set the appointment so he has access to your calendar, so he knows where he can put the appointments. Right. Yep. Google Calendar tied in. Lincoln, okay. will you will you tell us what a CRM is, just for anybody that doesn't know? Honestly, CRM. I, I couldn't tell you. I'll, the, I'll tell you what it is. Yeah, thank you, Jake. <laughs> it's, it's customer relations management or it customer. 
Now I think I'm getting it well, right. Well, it's, it's basically managing the customers that you could potentially have. Yeah, it just keeps track of all your customers, yes. your leads, you know, potential leads. It yeah. just It's a way of I organizing think CRM everything. stands for Customer Relationship Management. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think what Customer it Relationship for. Management. That's yeah. what I think it stands yeah. for. Right. And there's a lot of good ones out there. I would recommend Podio. It's actually free to start. Once you add on somebody, another user, it costs monthly. But And I've found that it's... You know, you can integrate so many different systems into it. In fact, our Mojo dialer mm-hmm. integrates in um, in a lot of ways where he's able to immediately input his call logs and, wow. and some of the info there. So there's a lot of integration. So Podio with it. is free until you get another admin in. Right. So right. as far as I you, know, is, so I if you created like a, for example, uh, I don't know if you've heard of LastPass. So if you could do a LastPass where they have a temporary link to get into that, yes. you could have him get into that without having to pay monthly for him. And he already has access to it. So then you're Sounds like, even yeah. cheaper. Right, right. Yeah, you really, that's the thing is my monthly costs to wholesale aren't that high. Yeah. I've got, I've got to buy the leads and I've got some systems in place, but yeah, the cost to operate, it can be as minimal as you want. I mean, you could call from your own personal phone number. You could write things down mm-hmm. on Excel. You, you could keep it as basic as you want. And that's the great thing about it. And then you just build and build your systems as your business grows. Yeah. The thing about it is if you got one deal, Every six months, it pays for all of it. And right. we have found, and we and we're not even pro wholesalers, man, because we were just dabbling. We're semi pro. We were just dabbling in it, and we sent out mailers, but we were getting. Uh, I mean, we've already gotten two deals. Well, no. no, count it. Yeah, two deals. Two deals. Two deals from mailers. Right. And that would have that. I mean, that paid. That really pays for several months of bills really mm-hmm. if you look at it that way yeah that initial cost of man i gotta buy this big lead list and it's three hundred dollars four hundred dollars and then i gotta skip trace it and and you, you know you're talk, spending all talk this about up front. Skip tracing because that's a yes. term that some people don't know yes yeah, skip tracing is essentially using the owner's first and last name and their mailing address to get a phone number is that legal it's it's fully legal <laughs> fully legal to get out there there's a lot of sites that do it um i i choose to use rei skip it's uh, 15 cents a lead, maybe 12 now. So pretty uh, cost effective, and they give you all the information about that property you'll need. They're very accurate. They give you your, their social number. <laughs> they'll, they'll give you, maybe, no, maybe not quite that a much. Credit card number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, so so once the appointment is set, you see it in your calendar. You show up to the house with the seller. And then walk us through that process. What right. does that look like? Right. Even one more thing before that appointment, we are going through. So now we have this lead and, mm-hmm. you know, it shows their motivation, shows, you know, kind of their uh, history on the property. We'll go in and already figure out the numbers on the property as best we can. Uh, so we're figuring out rehab costs based off of what they've said and, and kind of the description of that property. And then we're also figuring out ahead of time the after repair value so that when we go to this property you have a game plan we've got a game plan and ideally offer right there on the spot because it is definitely best we found to offer in person even over the phone and especially over text gotcha i think it's important too let's talk about that number process for our listeners if there's anybody interested in wholesaling so you'll take i'm assuming this is how you do it so you'll take the arv of whatever arv stands uh for after repair value so after you repair the place how much it could be worth so you'll take the after repair value so let's say it's We'll just do easy math. So it's a hundred thousand dollar house. ARV is a hundred thousand dollars. You'll times that by seventy five percent because you want it to be at least you want to get it for at least seventy five percent. So that puts it at seventy five thousand minus whatever you feel like re- repairs are going to be. Right. I'm sure you have a process for that. So let's just say it's ten grand. So now you're down to sixty five thousand. So you know your 
highest and best is going to be six. And your wholesale fee. Oh, and your wholesale, wholesale fee. fee. Yes, yes. So say it's ten grand. So you'll minus that out. So you know your highest and best is going to be fifty-five grand. Exactly. Yep. That's that's the step by step. You want to have, and it and it'll shift a little bit based off of the uh, price of the property. If you got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll push those numbers around a little bit. Maybe eighty percent of the ARV, or even eighty-five percent, because some of these great locations and you know perfect setup for houses, people will pay more. So you kind of adjust that front margin a little bit, but generally, yes, it's seventy-five percent minus expenses minus wholesale fee. Okay. So cool. now you know how to Jew your wholesaler. <laughs> that, now you know, <laughs> exposed. Yeah. yeah. So okay. So now talk us through the process. So you, you've done your homework. You figured out how much it is, how much possibly in repairs. Yada yada yada. All, so you have a game plan going in. You get there. You meet with the homeowner. What is your objective? What does that process look like? And how do you make an offer? Or do you make an offer on the spot? Right. Right. So the most important thing is is building a connection with that homeowner and building rapport. It's all about connecting to them as best you can. And there's so there's some trust being built because people work with and sell to people that they know and trust. So that's what we want to do is we want to have a good relationship first and foremost. So we're talking to them, hearing about you know their history on the property, their story, and just wanting to know more and more about that. And at the same time, looking at all of the... Uh, repairs that are going to be needed, right? So usually I'll go with a partner or if it's just you, you're writing things down, you're taking pictures of the property after you ask if if you can do that. And and you're just gathering all the information you need, making sure it kind of checks um, all the boxes from what you knew previously. And, you know, you can kind of do it in your head at a certain point, but you can also step out for a minute or two after you've looked at it, write down those numbers, add it up, and then boom, you can offer right there in person, ideally. Do you typically offer in person or do you typically send an offer later? I would say it's it's 50-50. Okay. Uh, sometimes we've actually offered beforehand because people want to know, hey, what what's your offer without even seeing this? Yeah, I don't want to take like, the we time. We don't want to waste each other's time. Right. Yeah. And so if we've done that, you know, then we're just, it's whether or not we were accurate do enough. You, do you typically, and uh, would you kind of push those numbers up to a little higher to make it sound nicer for them? And then once you do the walkthrough, talk it down because you don't know going in. So you're like, say they want a hundred thousand and you were thinking more like 80,000, but you're like, Oh, we might be around 90 some thousand, but it just depends. We need to walk through and make sure. Yes. Yes. We give, we try and give more of a ballpark figure when we are, when we haven't seen the property yet. So we have some of that wiggle room and we'll, we'll do that. Cause it's, it's a give and take. Cause if you go up to their price and then you get there and you go lower, well, you know, a lot of times you're just going like, to make a mad yeah. tell you to get out. We, we optimally, or, you know, the best case scenario, we don't give out any offer until we see it because it's just best that way we're in person and such. But yes, we will, we'll have more of a range. So in that case, we'd probably say, yeah, we could, we could potentially be in that hundred thousand range or, we're, we're going to be in the 85 to 95,000, um, offer range gotcha. that way. There's not a concrete number that they're just banking on, but it get, does give you some grace for, for gotcha. those repairs. Once you see it, I'm glad you brought up the taking pictures, man. John's been getting on to <laughs> yeah. me. I, cause I got that house I was telling you about locked up, um, under contract, but dude, I'm so like emotional and like, Oh yeah, gotta get the deal. Keyword, like, keyword emotional. Yeah, for sure. M- emotional. But like I get in there and I like forget to do the simple things. Like I'm like, why didn't I take pictures? I didn't even know. Well, and it's tough because, like, dude, I mean, you know when a deal's a deal. Everybody here knows a deal is a deal when you see a deal. Right. Yeah. Like, that's a deal. And so, But you got to stick to the basics, though. So. Yeah, so it's easy to skip over a lot of stuff, but I'm the type of person, like, 
I want to know like how much labor is going to be in it. I want to know how much material is going to be in it. Does it need windows? Does it need drywall work? Because drywall, man, this little stuff that you miss is hours of labor fixing drywall. So it's just like all the little things compound, and then now you've got what you thought was a $20,000 remodel is a $35,000 remodel. Right. Yeah. So. And I've learned a lot. Uh, the more and more that I've done this and seeing a lot of properties and estimating rehab costs, I'd say that's a big thing if you're wanting to get started is get really, really good at estimating rehab costs. It's not only going to benefit you on not locking up bad deals, but also all of your investors are going to like you much more if you know what you're talking about, you know your numbers. And so there's books to read on that and, you know, different things you can look at online, but know, knowing your rehab is huge. And that's what makes a good wholesaler is somebody that can exactly lay out what does this property look like, even without somebody seeing it potentially, uh -huh. an investor seeing it, you know, you've told them exactly what it needs, broken it down, given a, a detailed description. That's just going to make your investors happy and want them coming, having them come back more and more to buy properties. Right. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, I feel like as a wholesaler, like I I haven't really wholesaled any deals. I know Lincoln, you have, but you kind of like me and Jake as buyers, we look at, we can look at wholesalers and be like, man, dude, this dude is always overpricing his deals. And so I feel like it's kind of one of those things like you, you got to know your market and you got to know where your investors set to, to make sure you're kind of competitive on the wholesaling side. So with that being said, we're going to interject a ad ad. <laughs> I can't think of the word ad right here. And back to the podcast with Jake and John and Lincoln. Hello. <laughs> so, okay. So now you've, you're at the place. Let's talk about the two different, cause now it splits off into two different processes, whether you get it under contract or you don't get a contract. So you get under contract, walk us through all the way to closing. Um, and then tell us the other process. If, if it doesn't go through what you do with that lead. And I, I think just, I don't want to cut you off, but I think it's important here to like, after you write the contract, can you tell us like step by step what you do? Because I know like when you're getting into it, like a lot of people don't know that you have to send that contract to title and stuff. So can you kind of just be a little bit detailed on what you kind of do after you get a contract on it? For sure. After you get it under contract, like you were saying, when you know it's a deal, um, you know, that's kind of where the celebrating comes in. You know, you're glad you got it. You know, it's going to sell. Um, sometimes it's a little bit tighter and, you, you know, you're hoping you sell it, but uh, once you get that under contract, you immediately send it to the title company of your choice. Um, you know, obviously an investor friendly title company is preferred. Send it over to them, um, you know, tell them what your plans are for this. Hey, I'm going to wholesale this property. Here's the first contract. I'll be sending the second once I get this assigned over to somebody. And so just that they are clear on everything, set that closing date and, and get everything communicated, you know, contact information swaps with that seller. So you get that with the title company. Is it best to set your closing out 30 days? As long as you can, really. Uh, obviously, the service we offer is more of a convenience offer you know, to sell it uh, directly to us. So it, generally, we try and do it as quick as we can. But if your seller is willing to extend it out 30, 45 days, that just gives you more time to you know, find a buyer if needed. But generally, yeah, set it for, for 30 days or so, um, three, four weeks. I've noticed with wholesaling, a lot of people, and because I was the same way when I was, when we were dabbling with this, is like the, the biggest fear is like, I need to get a buyer's list. I need to get a buyer's list. So you feel like you have to start with the buyer's list. But that's, that's like the easiest thing to do. Right. And like when you're first starting out, you think that you need to build out this big buyer's list first. But really, it's like, I mean, you can, you can go and try to build out and it's pretty easy. You just go on Facebook and say, hey, uh, who's looking for deals? You know? Yeah. Right. And, I, and I know like Lincoln, like you've got a list of like key players, which I feel like when you're first starting wholesaling, 
Your you just you want to you want to give it to every yeah <laughs> you want to give the deal to everybody like you want as many people but it's there comes a time when you have to boil out like the people that are just going to jack you around to find the the key players in the game you know the ones that are going to close fast pay cash not wow. jack you around and stuff i know poor mike i've been jacking him around he, he, i'm not on his list at all mm. <laughs> it's tough it's tough when yeah when you are hungry for those deals and you've got to have a few a month yeah you, you're trying to talk to as many people as you can to bring you those deals but yeah, for, for me, when I got my first deal under contract, my buyers list had four people on it. I, I hardly had anybody on there. Thankfully, I sold this crazy Fireburn property to somebody on Facebook, just put it on Marketplace because I, I couldn't get anybody on it. I didn't yeah. know anybody. But especially in a seller's market where there's fewer deals, yeah, a buyer's list is kind of the least of your concerns, or at least it, it shouldn't be the focus when you start. That can get built up. You can talk to people and you can get the word out there. So I would focus more so on the front end and finding the deals. But however, if the market were to shift and now it's a uh, buyer's market and there's deals everywhere, you do want to have your people lined up that have the cash, have are ready to go. So it'll it depend a little bit, but I would say in general, you know, the, the buyers will come if you have a deal. Gotcha. Okay. So so after you send title to the closing, what's next? Once you find an investor friendly title company, <clears throat> Titan Title. Where do you go to next? Right, right. Yes, <laughs> shout to bring out to them Titan on the podcast. Yeah, we could. They, they're strange. the best. They're the best. Titan title. Uh, after that, you are just marketing out to your investors. So you give them the description, give them the details. Ideally, if it's a vacant property, you have a lockbox and a key that people can get in there um, and get access to it. If there's tenants, you'll have to set up an appointment. But you're just sharing it out, and then once somebody wants it, you know, you negotiate with that investor. You then get your second contract set up. So there's two ways to do this. There is an assignment and then there's a double close. You can do one of the two. Uh, the benefits of an assignment are once you assign over a property, you're essentially putting that end buyer, that investor in your place. They're kind of taking your spot in the contract. So you're kind of stepping out of the contract at that point. You're, you're not involved any longer. They'll close and once they close, you get paid. And so that's one way to do it. And All you have to have no money. Right, right. Well, you can do no money with both. It's just set up a little different. So with that, um, the end buyer can see your profit. It's put on there because you're That's assigning it. <laughs> right. And so the reason I double close, which is the second option, is it's just two of the exact same contracts, a purchase agreement, a sale agreement. And in that case, you are buying the property technically on a legal sense and then selling the property. So you're still involved all the way to closing, but it happens instantaneously at the closing table. So there's, there's really no difference other than the fact your end buyer doesn't see what you make and it keeps it a little bit more separated. Yeah. Uh, you're just on the line the whole time. Cool. So now let's talk about what do you do with that guy that you, you made an offer on and he doesn't accept your offer. And I don't know, I don't know what his objection would be, but what, what do you do with that lead? Right. Follow-up is a huge thing with wholesaling. If you want to be successful, you've got to nail your follow-ups. Whether that's somebody that's why John and I are not wholesalers. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> it's tough because you know if, whether it's a no from the very beginning, we're not getting rid of that lead. We're just putting them out three months, six months, a year, depending on how strong that no was. In that case, if you went all the way to the point of seeing the property and say we're separated by you know ten thousand, twenty thousand, again that'll it'll kind of de determine how long we follow up with them. But usually, um, you're, you're following up two, three weeks later off the bat. Then you're putting them on a monthly or bi-monthly follow-up and and follow, you know, just going contacting them over and over again, not not to be pushy, not to be 
um, you know, annoying to them, but kind of gauging where they're at, their interest, if, if you think that you can move or if they can move on price, that kind of sets up how long are we going to follow up um, for and, and kind of that duration. Gotcha. You know, one thing we should have start probably started with, especially if somebody's interested in wholesaling is like on average, how much do you make per transaction? Right. Cause right. I mean, it's all about the money at the end of the day, like for most people. Yes. It, it, it yeah, obviously, yeah, we're doing it. Um, a lot of it for the money. It's got to make sense on a business level. Um, so for the average wholesale here in the Missouri area, for myself and for the others I've talked to, it's it's right around seven thousand six six to seven thousand dollars for a wholesale. Um, it, it kind of tends to be the average. That can get all the way you know down to you know a hundred dollars if that's all you're able to manage. Which you know on my third wholesale I made a hundred dollars because <laughs> couldn't find anybody and this guy helped me out. Uh-huh. Or you could make you know a hundred thousand if you're able to you know mark it up that much. It's is you know, that price is all up to you on how good of a deal you can get. But, but I'd say that's the average is six or seven. Gotcha. Cool, man. We should quit our jobs and do wholesaling. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I, I love, uh, just being able to talk to a lot of different people, a lot of different situations. And we truly are, uh, I feel like adding a lot of value to, you know, our city and to these people that have these needs because a lot of times, you know, their house is for closing in three weeks and they're just going to have that foreclosure on their record. And, you know, they don't have the means to pay off this property. They can't list it in time and it's an awful shape. What, you know, they're kind of stuck. Well, we're able to step into that situation, give them this cash offer and, you know, kind of remove them from that spot and, you know, save another house here in Springfield and surrounding areas and, and make it nice again. Yeah. I, th- I think wholesalers get a bad rap where they're like, Oh, they're scum. They're just the middleman. They're little leeches or whatever, but really you're providing a solution to a lot of people's problems. And, and in fact, like the house I told you about that I got locked up, there was an agent involved, but she backed away because for her situation, the lady's situation, it was just best to have a quick cash offer because she just needs to break away from it. Right. Cause there's a lot of emotional ties too, because of, you know, family passed away and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, so. exactly. Wholesaling. It's one of those things. It's not this easy, you know, get it under contract, sell it for more. Like the wholesaling in, you know, in its simplest form is a pretty simple process A to Z, but it doesn't mean it's easy. A gotcha. lot of times like, man, this one property, I literally had to move these people out of their house, right? This closing date was coming up. They had a deadline and they really did need to move this oversized house for this older couple. And I literally was there with my friends three days in a row, moving their things out. I, you know, I bought the U-Haul, was moving it to their storage unit, to their new place, because they just didn't have the means to do that, right, but right. they had to sell. We're able to be a little bit more involved and flexible than maybe your regular you know, market transaction as a realtor. And so I do think we are able to step in in places that you know people need that they're not going to find elsewhere. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about like the success you've had so far and, and then talk about what you feel has led to your success this far. Absolutely. Uh, And if you're willing to share some like real numbers so people can realize the potential of what they can do with this, that'd be sweet. If not, no worries. Yes. Yes. I I should have brushed up a little bit on, on it, but, uh, first year in wholesaling, I wholesaled roughly, uh, 20 houses or so. Mm -hmm. Um, and this last year we were able to do closer to 45, and just really stepping that up, it's it's all about connections and relationships. Anybody, not not maybe anybody, but a lot of people can go out there, find one deal, and yeah, you know, just rip somebody off and then sell it to somebody else. Like you can do that on one deal, but to make it repeatable, you've got to you know be ethical in, in every transaction. Like we were saying beforehand, it's got to be a win-win on both sides. If if both sides of the deal 
aren't benefiting. It's just not going to be something I can repeat and do over and over again. So that's been my main priority from the start is treating people, you know, the way I'd want to be treated in this deal. And as well as the investors on the back end, you know, you, you got to bring them good deals, good numbers, can't be lying about, you know, the foundation, you know, is cracked or the AC unit, you know, is broken. And, and just not saying that you've got to be ethical first and foremost. And that's going to lead to more success if you are also good on the business sense and have your numbers right and, and know how to negotiate. Sweet. So talk about like the potential too, as far as like how much you can make. Cause so let's uh, talk about your first year. So your first year, you said you had 24, 24. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right at 20, 25. So how much did you get to pocket after it was all said and done that first year? Right. I think gross, we brought in roughly 120,000, um, over, over all those deals. Mm -hmm. So that, that was kind of, you know, yeah. The, the total sales there gross again, there's, there's not a ton of, of cost to wholesaling. Yeah, so you were, so. you netted close to six figures, right? Right. Yeah, if not right at six figures. Right. So that, you know, that, that was, I guess I had two months before that first year, but that was the mm -hmm. first full year. Um, and, and then last year we were able to get up, um, over 300 K, um, for the year. And, and this year our goal is 500,000, get, get awesome. half a million in wholesaling alone. And, and that's, you know, want to keep growing that year by year. That's awesome. And this is only your third year, right? Right. Yeah. So starting that, the third full year. That's what I wanted people to see that is the potential that if you're willing to grind and create these systems and, and be ethical and be able to get that repeat business, you can have a scalable business that in three years you could be making, you know, $300,000 or whatever, but right. Cool. Right. Um, John, did you have anything on? Oh man, I'm just sitting over here pretty impressed. That's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, what you've done is pretty awesome. Uh, especially, and that's the other thing we should throw. We mentioned your name. You're 20, you're 20, or your name, your, your age, you're 23 years old. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, what does the future hold for Lincoln? Yes, yes. So a lot more wholesaling. Uh, at first, I wasn't sure if this was a spot I wanted to stay in long term. I didn't know if it was just going to be a stepping stone, but for sure, um, a spot I want to be in in wholesaling and growing this company more and more. I want to have two full time employees by the end of the year. I've currently got one uh, full time, one part time. So two full time employees, one full time virtual assistant, and then two more part time by this year. And then, yeah, just kind of keep growing that up as well as uh, the long-term rentals would like to keep on adding uh, to that portfolio and, and doing some flips. Oh yeah. On we the didn't side. even mention that stuff. Like not only are you wholesaling, but you're buying some of these yourself and either flipping them or uh, burying them. Yes. Um, What's your goals for the year on both sides of that? Like how many rentals do you want to have by the end of this year and how many wholesales do you want to do? Right, right. So I started the year with 20 uh, rental properties. By the end of the year, I'd like to have 50. Holy so crap. I'm, I'm staying pretty <laughs> aggressive on that side as well. I uh, wanted to add 30 this year to it. Um, a big part of that is getting into multifamily. If I want to grow this successful wholesaling company, I'm only going to have so much time and add more units. I'm going to have to get some larger properties. I want to get at least 15 units multifamily this year, 15 single families. So growing that, I want to do at least a hundred thousand in in flips just to have some extra income on that side as well. But uh, would like to yeah keep bumping up those units as man, it's so fun to have that's, rental properties and, awesome. and do that side. How many do you want to wholesale this year? This year we need to wholesale roughly fifty. Um, so it's similar to last year in quantity. Roughly fifty to hit that five hundred. To five hundred, but we just want our margins to be better this year. I think if we focus on better negotiating, better deals. And, and better time focus, we can do just a few more properties, but make that overall profit a lot larger. That, that's gotcha. a big focus. For just laser focusing your time and stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Nice. Gotcha. That's being lean. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta. 
You got it. That's sweet. Um, I forgot. There was something else I was going to ask, but I guess we'll just hop right into the last segment of our podcast. And we're actually going to record another episode right after this and talk about uh, doing Airbnbs and stuff. But uh, what is the most recent book? The final three. That's what I should have done. We need some kind of like little intro for that part. You just did it. Sounds pretty legit. The final three. The final three. <laughs> uh, n- number one, what's the most recent book you've read and what's one thing you've learned from it? Yes. So the, the last one I read, it was a Kiyosaki book. Um, it's called Real Estate Loopholes. Mm. Uh, and it's it's really good because it's kind of the, the bread and butter, the basics of real estate. Um, so some of it was refreshed. Some of it was brand new. I, I learned a lot about actually uh, protecting my properties and protecting myself, you know, from... Uh, you know, suing um, and, and lawsuits from people or, or hard times and banks. And, and, you know, what's the best way to set myself up there? There was a lot in that book that gave practical advice about LLCs. And, and I'm so that glad up. we asked this question. You brought that up because I, I'm curious because everybody has a different opinion on this. I'd be curious to know what your opinion is. Are you doing a LLC for each property or are you grouping up, depending on the value of the property, uh, multiple houses into one LLC? Like, how are you structuring that? Yes. Yes. So I have the main wholesaling business as an S corp. It's completely separate from my rentals. Right. As of right now, they're all in one LLC, uh, just, just separated out. And that's where all of those fall into. I'll probably at a certain point, maybe every 10 or 20 properties get a separate LLC okay. just cause the more you split it up, um, you know, the less likelihood somebody could go after All everything it, that yeah. you've got. Um, so d- yeah, definitely Th- that's separating exactly that. my thought process on it. I've too, got, so. I've got a question. Um, that's kind of off the wall, but for your wholesaling business with having employees that go to jobs with or go to properties with you, do you have workers comp insurance? So as of right now, I don't. Um, I've got the one full-time employee, um, but he's mostly in the office. He, he has some um, things that he goes out and does. At this point, I don't. It's definitely something I'd like to add um, just as an added benefit for, for him and the future employees. In case the homeowner shoots him or something. Right. You know, you got you to gotta be protected. <laughs> I'm not selling my house, dang it. I'm not selling my house for 25000 <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But, uh, and then, yeah, so the, all my contractors then, they're not directly under me. Um, I'm kind of use, outsourcing that yeah. work to them, and, and they, they would take care of that on their own. Gotcha. Okay. Right on, Jake. Next question. Uh, question number two. What is one principle you strive to live your life by? Mm. I think we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but treat others the way you want to be treated. If you do that and you focus on on putting others first um, in in the deal, um, obviously we're in this business to make money, and you've got to you know have your bottom line, keep the keep the lights on, and, and keep moving forward. But if you are are kind of putting the other person first and putting yourself in their shoes, I just found that that just you know brings more success and and brings more opportunity. So I would say um, just looking out for the others in, in the deal first and foremost. That's sweet. I had a college professor uh, who I admired a lot because I dropped out of college, but he was he was an, he was a true entrepreneur teaching business stuff. Like he was one of the top agents in Arizona. He uh, you heard of the Color Run? Yeah. Oh, he yeah. like created the Color Run, sold it for you know very profitable. He's just done a lot of different things, and he used to always say he. I think he would say it like this. He said. Uh, anytime he was in a room, he always asked himself, how can I be a blessing to others? Right. Is how I think he'd phrase it, which is basically adding value. How can I always add value to 
wherever I'm at. It's huge. Cause if we're just in this business to make money, yeah, it's fun. And we can do this and that and, and, you know, grow our portfolios and whatnot. But if we're not truly adding value and giving back at the end of the day, you know, kind of what's it for, you know, you look back at your time and what did I really accomplish? Yeah. It was, you know, I had a lot done for me, but I get to see, Hey, all these properties I wholesale, you know, the city's benefiting, these homeowners are benefiting. There's so many people involved in that. And right. that's truly what makes it enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, final question. Dang it. Now I got to pull it back up. Uh, what is one of the greatest pieces of advice you've been given? Hmm. I would say this one quote that stuck with me is direction, not intention determines destination. Direction, not intention determines destination. Yes. You got to be putting, you know, you got to be stepping forward on whatever uh, goal you've got, whatever direction you want to be headed towards. You've got to be focused on that and actually doing something practical to get there versus just having the intention of doing right. it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I That's like a that good a lot. One. Cause I, a lot of people have an, a, the des, or you could say desire. desire to, to make something happen or their dreams happen, but they're not taking action. Right. Which I guess would be the direction. It's that direction. Right. Yeah. yeah. Every single day, just even if it's something small, just take one step closer to that goal uh, that you have. And, and that's really what's going to get you there. Sweet. Uh, Lincoln, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're a freaking stud. Uh, I know John's buying some deals from you. Maybe we can buy one from you at some point here. Sooner than later, Jake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now that I'm on the, what is the, what's the board? What's the, oh yeah, the player. top buyers, key, key, key connections. Key connections. I'm on one of the top there since I put my name in there. <laughs> yeah, you scratched there. Hey, you gotta get on there somehow. I scratched John's out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where can people find out more about you, Lincoln? Yes. Uh, social media, Lincoln Amstutz, uh, look up Homelink properties on our website, homelinkprop.com, Homelink properties on Facebook. Um, definitely would love to connect with anybody. If you reach out, have any questions, um, I've had a lot of help these last few years and would love to, you know, provide some of that value back there. Or if yeah. you need to sell a house quickly for cash. Yeah. And we'll put your uh, personal cell phone number in the notes. <laughs> hey, whatever it takes. <laughs> hey, we'll put all that in the, in the notes. Hey, thanks again for coming on. This was awesome. Uh, till next time. Yeah. Thank you guys. See you, dude. Thank you for listening to the growth circle podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, connect with Jake and John on Instagram at Jake Engledew and at John underscore the underscore builder. Until next time.